The Maple Leafs introduce Brad Trilliving to Toronto. We discuss our takeaways from the press conference and what clues he may have left about the team's future. Also, it's the eve of the Stanley Cup final. We'll preview the series and give our final predictions. All that more coming up on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Lease podcast, your June 2nd edition of the Locked On Lease podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano from TSN, uh, also by my good pal Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet. Dave, we uh, we finally got to hear from the GM today. It was announced yesterday. Appreciate you being able to uh, roll it, run solo there and take the reins on that show, but we did get to hear from Brad Chilliving today. Um, let's get right into it because it may be a, a bit of a longer show. What exactly did you did you take away, if anything, from today's discussion? I mean, it's. I always think when you're listening to these press conferences, it's easy to get caught up in you know the moment and sort of things. So when I was listening to Brad Chilliving, like he's doing his best to win the press conference, right? Make sure he doesn't say anything that's going to get thrown back at him, you know, in, in a certain way and pin him into a certain corner. And that was the big one there. He didn't want to paint himself one way or the other, but also a lot of the stuff that we expected to hear. And we've been kind of hearing the mumblings, you know, whether that's the core four or that Sheldon Keith, Brad Sheldon pretty much, echoed a lot of what we've been hearing you know the last few the last few weeks yeah it's pretty much the sense that i got too and i don't know if that you know eases leaves nation at all to hear that you know potentially brad trilliving could um one of the options could be to run it back with the same coach with the same core um just you know try and build around it and put his stamp on things obviously but time and time again we've seen this coach and core fail uh, the question is, can Brad Trilliving, you know, put a team around them to help them succeed this time around? You know, Dubas, I thought did a good job at trying to do that at the deadline. Clearly, it 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 failed ultimately. I suppose we could say um, it was a, a strong, strong effort, but they only, you know, got one win into the second round. Right? They they had higher aspirations than that. Um, Let's start with Austin Matthews, though, because one thing that I did pick from today's press conference is that uh, Austin Matthews is pretty well going to be priority number one for uh, incoming general manager Brad Trilliving, which probably is the right call. Um, I sent you uh, a clip here from Brad Trilliving's press conference today about Austin Matthews and basically just talking about exactly what his thought process is, taking the job, and how long it would take for him to to get things underway. And pretty well said, yeah, this is priority number one. We got to make sure that we get uh, down to Arizona. And we got to chat with Austin Matthews and uh, try and hammer something out. So here's exactly what Brad Trilliving had to say earlier today at his introductory press conference. 
I think he's a really good coach. Um, my view. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> no, yeah, that would be the Sheldon Keefe one, which we will play in just a moment. Um, but yeah, I wanted to hear the uh, the Austin Matthews one that we got there. So let's let's try and pull that one up and then get to it. But because it's funny, the 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 biggest worry that I would say Leafs Nation had uh, when Kyle Dubas got let go was, oh no. You know, what does this mean for Austin Matthews, right? Matthews and and uh, the GM had a great relationship. And, and also there was the connection with the agents. And the agent had a great relationship. So could this maybe put uh, a rift in Austin Matthews and, and what that could mean for his future of the Maple Leafs? Nah, I'm not so sure because Brad Trilliving, it sounds as though he's pretty keen on keeping Matthews in the fold as well. You'll find from me, Terry, we're not going to get into any public discourse about contracts. I Obviously, we know where these contracts are at. Um, Austin is, is one of the elite players in the world. You know, we're not talking about a, a good player in the, in the league. We're talking about elite player in the world. Um, getting, getting to Austin is a priority. Um, but, but outside of the contract stuff, number one is just getting to build that relationship, you know. It's not walking down and, and, and trying to arm wrestle about contracts. It's getting down and getting Austin, a me getting a chance to meet him. But more importantly, having Austin get a chance to meet me, know what we're about, and, and just, just, just talk a little bit. So that's priority number one. Um, we know all the things as it relates to all the players in their contract situations um, and the timing and all the challenges ahead of us. Um, but we're, we're prepared to, to, to get after it. So I'm, I'm excited to not only get a chance to meet him, um, but thrilled to, to be able to work with him. And hopefully he's going to be able to work with him longer than just the one season. Obviously, he's hoping to hammer out an extension. Um, there was a, a, another follow-up a little bit later in uh, in the press conference when asked, you know, about his relationships, uh, you know, with his agent. And Brad Trillivan came out and basically said, look, I, I have a great relationship with Judd Moldauer, the, uh, the, the agent of, Austin Matthews and I feel like that may be part of the conversation that wasn't really brought up enough when Brad Trilliving was interviewing and after they let go Kyle Dubas like a lot of focus was oh no without Dubas like there's the the relationship you know aspects gone but you know what was also probably key to bringing in an experienced general manager it wasn't the fact that you know if if a trade needs to be made he'll be able to make it it's look by being in the league for so long Brad Trilliving does have relationships with not only GMs around the league, but agents around the league as well. You know how many times him and Judd Moldover have probably discussed things in the past and when it comes to some of Judd's clients, like this is, wouldn't be the first time that he's come up with some sort of, you know, contract negotiation with Moldover. Uh, you know, th these two have a working relationship um, in the past. So uh, Brad Trilliving did come out and say he's got a, he's had a good working relationship with him in the past and would expect for that to, to benefit him when uh, trying to get to Austin Matthews and, you know, trying to see if he wants to stick around for, for the long term. And probably I would assume that Moldauer would even say, Hey, look, you know, Brad Trilliving's a good guy. You know, he's, he's had this vision, you know, previously. And I think he's somebody who we could trust and we could stick it out long-term here in Toronto with. So I think that uh, hearing those, you know, those two quotes today, um, the fact that Tree Living clearly is prioritizing Austin Matthews, going to go down to Arizona and chat with him, and also the fact that he has a strong relationship with Matthews' agent as well, um, definitely, I would say, would put me at ease if I were one who was uh, 
watching the doomsday clock tick with with angst that puts me a little at ease a little bit now yeah and you know him talking about how, like establishing that relationship with austin matthews i'm sure a lot of people brush that comment aside maybe a little bit but when I listened to Matthew Kachuk talk about the process of where he was when he was getting traded to Florida, he couldn't say anything bad about Brad Living. He was very much, um, you know, positive about everything, how it all went down, you know, how good of a guy Brad was and all, all those things. And I feel like that helped as I mean, as much of a brutal situation that that put the flames in. I think the fact that they had that relationship and that respect, I think Kachuk, it was a little bit easier for him to say, okay, if I go to Brad with this, maybe something can be worked out here, right? Rather than doing what Johnny Gaudreau did, which was, I'm just going to bolt out of town at the 11th hour and leave the flames in the dust. So I think that's where, I think that's where true living really feels like that's the benefit of not only having the relationship with the agents and all those things, because that's obviously important, but it's also important to already have that established connection with the player, right? Yeah. Like, I think the first thing you don't want the first thing, first interaction between Austin Matthews and Brad Children be like, all right, so five years, six years, what are we talking about here? Like, I don't want that to be the, I want, I want to hear, like, he's probably going to want to hear, okay, what, what are your thoughts on what's been going on in the last few years? What can I do to, you know, help make this, a situation you want to stick around with in the long Bingo. term. Bingo, Dave. Don't make the negotiations about money. Make it about Austin wanting to stay here because that is how you get Matthews to buy in and take that little haircut. Is he worth a max contract? I mean, probably. You know, like if he is he worth fourteen and a half million dollars? Probably. Does he need that? No. Does he have to take all that money? He doesn't have to. And if he could be sold a, a bill of goods here by Brad Trilliving, and if he buys into the belief that, you know, hey, if you take, you know, a million less, that's an extra million that we can give to someone that would make it, you know, a third line winger. Instead, now we can afford that second line winger and add that second element of scoring to potentially, you know, bolster this group. Or, you know, instead of getting, a, a, you know, a five, six defenseman, now we can go out and get like a four, a four or five, just to bolster up that blue line a little bit. Like what you're seeing in, you know, the Stanley Cup finals, the Vegas, I mean, that you know, defense is important, man. It's very important. So, I think you're right. It's going to be uh, it's going to be important for Austin Matthews and uh, and Trilliving to to meet and and not just to discuss figure amounts and contracts, but discuss you know how they can work together, almost like a partnership for there to be success in this franchise. Because let's face it, Matthews I would assume wants to to win a cup here. He came out and he said he wants to be here. He wants to figure something out. And if Trilliving can can you know put him at ease and say hey. We're going to do this thing and we're going to make sure that we give us every damn possible, you know, um, way to win here. You know, let's let's do it. And if that means taking a mill less, hopefully Matthews can buy in on that as well. Um, it, it does seem as though, like we said, one of the main takeaways was it, it does feel like we're not going to see a big shakeup this summer like we all anticipated. Could be wrong. You know, Tree Living did also say, you know, I, you know, from afar. I understand the talent that's in this room and you know what, it's not easy to get that talent. So you don't want to give it away so easily. So he said, you know, now he gets a chance to peek behind the curtain and you know, really evaluate things. But as it stood today, it, it doesn't appear 
that he wants to make uh, a move or a trade of one of these big four defensemen uh, or these, these this core four players or this core in general. The question then quickly became, okay, well, what do you think about the coach? And that's where I thought things got uh, quite interesting. Why don't we uh, take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll speak on what uh, Trey Living had to say about Sheldon Keefe and his future as a Toronto Maple Leaf as he's technically, uh, you know, still under contract. But, you know, it's not uh, very often you have a general manager come in and, and keep the coach intact, especially when there's only one year left on that deal as is. So we'll tell you about that on the other side. We got uh, some cup picks to make with the cup final beginning tomorrow and old Kyle. Kyle, that filthy, filthy liar, pops up elsewhere after saying he wouldn't. We'll tell you where that is and what role it is on the other side as well. Um, before we get into any of that, though, let me tell you guys about one of today's show sponsors, and it's our good friends over at Game Time. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite events. Should it be stressful? Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for uh, the fun that you will have. Uh, it's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, too, so you don't have to go digging through the email. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Welcome back into the Lockdown Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DeCefano with Dave Morissuti. We are a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, and uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, for the audio version, we're also up on YouTube to watch the video version of what's going on here. Um, we'd ask that you would subscribe also if you're enjoying the content, and if you're an everydayer who's here all the time, we thank you as well. Uh, so today was uh, an interesting day in Leafland, though, as we finally got to hear from Brad Living. Um, he was introduced to the media today as part of his introductory press conference. We talked a little bit about what uh, his thought process is on the core four. Now he's prioritizing Austin Matthews. And then the next order of business that I think people want to know is, okay, well, what about the coach, right? What about Sheldon Keefe? Um, why don't we pull up the uh, the audio here um, that, uh, that Brad Trilliving had to say about Sheldon Keefe, and then we can kind of give our thoughts on the other side as to, what exactly he had to say. I think he's a really good coach. Um, my view is determining whether a guy's good, bad, or, or indifferent. You have to work with him. You have to get to know him. So we're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to go through it. Um, I'm coming in with no preconceived notions. I went to Calgary nine years ago. Um, Bob Hartley was there. I didn't have a relationship with Bob. Bob coached. I think he was a coach of the year my first year in, in Calgary. A lot of really, really good neat things. I look at how a group of really skilled players has gotten better at, you know, in tracking and, and defending and doing those things that you need to win. So we're going to sit down and we're going to be have a thorough process and try to do it as quickly as possible and, and, and come to a conclusion. So, you know, he very much seems like he's more than willing to hang on to Sheldon Keefe. He, he noted that when he first got to Calgary, he was in a similar situation with 
Bob Hartley still being uh, still being um, employed by the Calgary Flames, and he went on to win Coach of the Year. So, you know, I, I think if you look on experience, you look on the past, and history always repeats itself. Maybe he's hoping that uh, you know Sheldon Keith can do something similar. And hey, let's also be honest here. That's a big bullet in the chamber for a guy like Brad Trilliving, where if things aren't going well early on, like it hasn't the past two two months or, or two years, realistically, where it's like October and we're like, oh no, Sheldon Keefe, is his job in danger? Maybe this time, actually, it might be in danger where it's like, all right, things don't go well early. I mean, there's not that much of a uh, you know, a, a love here for, for Keith and there's not much of a relationship. I would imagine he would probably go a little later than, than October maybe, but like mid season, if it's not going overly swimmingly, potentially uh, there could be change, but also I did think it was notable that he spoke to his, his ability to get guys to, to buy in defensively. You know, and he mentioned the skill players in particular, I'm sure, you know, Mitch Marner was, was at the top of the, the list of names he was thinking about there, how he's become a Selkie finalist under Sheldon Keith. You know, you've seen Austin Matthews become uh, an MVP under Sheldon Keefe. So there's a lot of guys who have definitely bought in defensively. You know, we saw times where William Nylander, who's top five in takeaways this year, um, has bought in a little bit more than typical, I guess we could say. Still not all the way there, I think, where there's still a little bit more to be desired, um, but a lot better than it was, you know, a couple of years ago. And that's something that it seems like um, – something that that tree living appreciated at the very least when it comes to, to Sheldon Keefe and the on ice tangible results that have come with with Sheldon also obviously he talked about the fact that they've had three straight 100 point seasons and have had great success under Sheldon obviously but also just the look of what's gone on and how the team plays it appears that he's got an appreciation for that which kind of leads me to think that there's a good chance that he wants to Run it back with Sheldon too. Yeah, and I was also listening to the follow-up interviews that Shaliving did. He did one on uh, Five Ninety, and the the thing that caught my attention was when he said, "I don't want this team to be reactive when they play. I want this team to assert itself, its style of play, you know, in the playoffs especially." And we we talked about how in that series against it was started against Tampa where. The Leafs just looked like they were just trying to survive games, right? And I think a lot of that was they were being they were reacting to what Tampa was doing and just hoping for the breaks and the bounces to go their way. And what what it seems like when it, when he's talking about Sheldon Keefe is, you know what, this team has made strides. I want to see now what does Keefe have planned? What would he what do I need? What tools do I need to give Sheldon Keefe? to take this team to the next level and is Sheldon Keefe willing to make adjustments, right. To take this team to the next level. I, I think right now that you're living is just trying to get, get as much information as he can. And yeah, there was no reason why he had to give any sort of proclamation of whether Sheldon Keefe was going to be the coach of the future. He, he has time to make that decision and you brought up a good point. It will be much easier potentially to make this move later sort of like what uh kyle dubas did with mike babcock uh team's not playing well need to shake up fire the coach yeah that sends a very clear message right and it's unfortunate if that's what they're pl- could be doing to sheldon keith um but it's also the nature of the business sheldon keith has had 
quite a few cracks at this, right? It's not like he's, you know, brand new to this and, you know, the Leafs aren't giving him his fair share. In a way, he has had a, a you know, obviously the COVID years, you got to keep those in mind. But it's not like he hasn't had that opportunity, as you said, to grow and make this roster change the way it plays. It has changed a bit, but now it's a matter of what's the next step. Yeah, I am curious, though. Like, what do you think is more likely when it comes to Sheldon Keefe, that he plays out this final year under contract as a lame duck GM um, or that they decide, okay, Keefe, we're going to keep him around. Let's also give him an extension as well. It's not very often that we see coaches walk into their final years. I know we just saw it happen with Kyle Dubas, obviously, but look how that turned out. So if you're Sheldon Keefe, uh, and you're the Maple Leafs, if you are going to return with Keefe, um, could you potentially be thinking, you know, an extension could be in the cards over a firing, perhaps? Yeah, and and you know what? Um, I can't remember which coach it was, but I remember that they, because I know Keefe got a two-year extension. Yeah. There was, there, was a, there was a team that only gave the coach a one-year extension on top of his current deal. And what it says is, you know, we're going to, we we don't want you to have this hanging over your head about whether you're going to be coaching next year if you do a good job or things like that. But it also gives the organization a chance to say, you know what, we're not going to lock you into anything long term because if it doesn't work out, we don't want to be paying a coach. Was like, it Bruce, what? Bruce Boudreaux in, in Vancouver? It could I think it might have been Boudreaux in Vancouver? It was, it was even worse. It was more like a more like a, a team option. Yeah, that's to what a, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I mean, you look at Vancouver. I think I, I they're probably still in some way paying Travis Green or close to that, right? Like they are. How many, yeah. How many teams are paying multiple coaches that have been fired? Right. Well, Babcock's coming off the books this year, so <laughs> finally. <laughs> Like look at Vegas, how maybe how many you know they've gone through so many coach changes, they got to be still paying somebody at this point. You know, New York with like is are they still paying? Like it's 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 um you know teams have to be willing to you know take that bullet that comes with you know what we're gonna give the coach a little bit of an ease of mind by giving him the year, but also with the idea that you don't perform, we'll swallow, we'll we'll eat the year. We'll do it. That's the biggest selling point that, you know, Trilliving will have to make if that's what he decides to do. Yeah, we'll see. The good thing is both Austin Matthews and Sheldon Keefe, uh, apparently both summer, their off seasons in Arizona. So looks like it'll be a kind of a one-stop shop situation to chat with Keefe, get to know him. And obviously Austin Matthews as well. And and those are one, a one B on the priority list for Brad Trilliving. And especially since apparently he's, uh, Limited in terms of what he could do for the draft also, which I find to be quite interesting. Uh, if, if you're unaware of the situation, part of the, um, I, don't, I don't know even what to call it, but basically Calgary was like, okay, you can, you can talk to Brad Living and you can hire him, but he can't be part of your draft process because he's already taken part in ours. And we think maybe that could influence things. And I don't know what they think, but for whatever reason, that is part of this. That's like a stipulation for uh, talking to Brad Trilliving. Interestingly, though, he was on overdrive today, and it almost seemed as though he said, yeah, you know, we're going to find out over the next couple of days exactly what that means. So it sounds as though 
they're still uh, probably trying to get Calgary to say, oh, whatever, screw it, just do what you want. Because they changed their mind once already, remember? Like, Trey Living originally wasn't going to be given permission to speak to anybody. Yeah. Pittsburgh wanted to talk to him, and they said, no, not going to happen. And then they softened their, their stance a couple days later. Maybe they're hoping that uh, the exact same thing will happen. Because, like, I don't understand why the general manager can't be part of, like, is he – like what exactly isn't he allowed to do? Is it just the the meetings or like, is he literally not allowed on the draft floor? Like that's where I think it's just right, he's got a wheel of deal here. Like there could be a massive trade for him available at the, uh, on the floor. Like if he does move a core four member or, or any other player for that matter, the leaves have three draft picks yeah. in this draft. In what way does Brad Living being at that table make it seem like he's going to screw over the Flames and what they're trying to do? Dude, it's like, big, do, the Flames, do the Flames have a first-round pick? Like, didn't they trade away a lot of their picks anyways? Uh, well, they do have one. I don't know if it's this year's from the Kachuk trade. Right. Actually, they do got picks. But, like, they pick. They have a first. Yeah, they have their first-round pick. They have a first, second, fourth, and sixth. They have. Four picks in this draft. But they pick like 14 spots ahead of Toronto. I don't anticipate yeah. the Maple Leafs leapfrogging them to, to steal their guy. Come on now. <laughs> it's just silly to me. It I is. find it very, very silly. But it's kind of the situation that we're in, and it's what, uh, it's, it's what the Leafs agreed to. But they didn't exactly say what, what it, the stipulations are. So I feel like maybe there's still going to be some negotiating and hopefully they can, you know, kind of say, ah, water under the bridge, go ahead, do that, do, uh, do whatever you want. And I wonder what that means for Kyle Dubas too, who's kind of in a similar situation coming from Toronto, now taking the job as the president of hockey operations in Pittsburgh, president of hockey operations at age 37. Uh, quite the job for uh, for old Kyle Dubas. He gets fired as the general manager or let go, however you want to use it to make you happy. He was no longer welcome in the Toronto GM's office. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, he says, that's okay. I'm going to go and be the president of Sidney Crosby's Pittsburgh Penguins. How does that make you feel, Dave? It's just so it's so interesting how he got promote like he gets a promotion. He gets exactly what everybody was rumoring as what he wanted in Toronto, which was more autonomy, not needing to Yeah, more. I don't think anyone I don't think he was petitioning for the president's role. He just wanted no. to have last say in hockey ops. Now he's yeah. got the, the, the whole say of everything. Yeah, he's got yeah, and Pittsburgh called the day after. The day after after they were just like ready right to, right yeah it's not like uh the agent uh the agent that we heard about wasn't speaking of who who negotiated that agent or that deal for kyle dubas we didn't hear about that no we didn't anyways continue uh, uh, what how about do how about pittsburgh also announcing it like yeah. 30 minutes before true living's press conference and then like by the way he's speaking today at 12.30, an hour after Trilliving finishes his press conference. Yeah, I mean... Petty, 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 buddy. Yeah. The, I'm you, here for it, to be honest with you. Oh, I mean, I, I'm here for it, too. Hockey can be, like, it can be so boring. It's been so boring the last few days, right? There's no hockey being played right now, other yeah. than the Memorial Cup. 
or there's been little to like there's been sub movement but nothing like like this was the last few days has been like yeah let's go like we got it the gm is done in toronto now we got kyle dubas you know turning he's now the president of the pittsburgh penguins like now we're getting a it's starting to get interesting and i think the line that really got to me i think i never got on everybody's mind when kyle dubas said maybe i was too honest that day but how i was feeling at that exact moment mm-hmm. and it, it's funny because kyle dubas um for those who have heard him speak throughout the years the very genuine person. He is a very forthright person, as we saw in that press conference. He's also a very book smart person, right? You know, everything he says, there's a purpose behind it. And it's almost, and, and when you think about that press conference and him, you know, talking about his family and all those things, it wasn't like somebody was trying to yank that information out of him. He volunteered that information in a lot of ways. So, yes. You were being honest about something that you wanted to be honest about. Like nobody put you it put you in a corner to say, "All right, tell me about how bad this was for your family." Like that wasn't that, that's not how it happened. So I, I just found it interesting that that's how he how he kind of shaped that whole idea of like maybe I was too honest and I shouldn't have been. Like, dude, it was your own. You dug your own grave there in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, the only person you have to be apologizing to is your own self in that regard. I mean, it worked out for him. Uh, yeah, like, you know those who say, "Oh, Dubis overplayed his hand." Did he? He ended up as the president of the Pittsburgh Penguins when all it's said just, and done. And look, it's and and I was talking to someone about this. Like, oh, it's almost like the day after he's being called about a president's job. Like. Mm. You don't you don't go through, you know, you don't put yourself out there trying to get a better deal from the Leafs, as you said, trying to smooth out the op, you know, make give yourself an easier path to making decisions if you don't feel like you've got something else in your back pocket. And that's why when you mentioned, you know, maybe this was something that was inkling around before, you can't tell me that Pittsburgh didn't try to feel out how the situation was going. They had to have some inkling that Things were not going the way they were supposed to go in Toronto. And then the day after, they're right on the phone. Yeah, it seemed like they were kind of slow playing their GM search, waiting to see what happened with Kyle. And then the second that Toronto parted ways, they're like, okay, let's see what he's up to. And all of a sudden, you know, they completely left everyone in the dust. Like apparently the uh, the Tampa AGM, Matthew Darsh, was, was the front runner until Dubas became available. And then it was all of a sudden a full court press to get Kyle Dubas uh, signed and they offered him the presidency role. I'd be curious to see what happens with, with the GM position there. I would imagine that uh, Spezza will get into that front office in some regard. I don't know if he's quite ready to to be the general manager, but uh, either way, I kind of assume that whoever the GM becomes, if he even chooses one, I know that he said he's not in a rush to name a general manager, I would assume this guy wants to, even if he does name one, he'll still be very much like a Maasai Ujiri where it's like, yeah, okay, I'm a president. I have a GM, but like, this is my team. And and I basically call the shots here. Like he'll basically run the, run the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like how Maasai runs the Raptors. Like, yeah, Webster's a GM, but we only ever talk about Maasai. (laughs) That's true. Right. And it'll be similar in Pittsburgh where it's like, yeah, there's a GM, but it's, 
kind of more so Kyle Dubas calling the shots. Just like Joe Sackick all the way out in Colorado, just like George McPhee out in Vegas. Those guys are front and center with a lot of things because they are the they know they're the ones that are calling the shots in the end. Oh, you don't think Kelly McCrimmon's calling shots there? Oh. He's calling some shots. They 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 uh, they had to promote him, but I don't think George McPhee was just like, yeah, I know the keys are all yours. I'm gonna take yeah. it. Back. Yeah. How much of a rivalry do you think this now creates with Pitt and Toronto? Oh, thou- oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. I, I can't like it, I know some people. You're are gonna, gonna have Shanny going down to the locker room. You're gonna have Dubas going down to the locker room, being like, "Boys, you know what's at stake? Money on the board. Let's get this dub." Like that first game, Pitt Toronto. There's gonna be some heat behind it. I think it, it'll be even better when Brandon Shan is not there, <laughs> and Kyle Dubas will be there, and it's gonna be like. Uh, uh, because Kyle Dubas knows and knows that all the cameras will be on him, so he's going to be on his best behavior. He's not going to be yelling at fans, throwing water bottles. But it's going to be funny when like we're talking about building up this rivalry, and Shannon's just like, I'm not going to play any part of it. I'm not even going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Shanny. Sure. The only time we'll see him around the building is when, uh, when Pitt's in town, guaranteed. Uh, really quickly, Dave, before we kind of jet out of here, why don't we uh, quickly preview the stanley cup final so we'll take one more very brief break and when we get back we got vegas we got florida we got a cup final it's tomorrow we'll give our final predictions next here on the locked on these podcast part of locked on podcast network it's your team every day welcome back into the locked on these podcast i'm mike DeStefano with dave morisuti guess what dave Although there's a lot of off-season drama happening with the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Kyle Dubas, Tree Living, Shanahan, Austin Matthews, they've taken up a lot of oxygen for the last uh, the last week, week and a half, two weeks really. But uh, there is some on-ice hockey still being played. And we got the Stanley Cup final kicking off tomorrow. It's been a while, dude. Like It, it, it honestly seems like, it, which, so first of all, very thankful for all of this Leafs drama to give us stuff to talk about once the season was over and uh, give us, you know, shows every day where we could still focus on the Maple Leafs. But I'm glad we're getting back to the hockey. It's It's been a while since we've uh, been able to watch some NHL hockey here. So, um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening uh, in this game. But it is Vegas hosting the Florida Panthers and uh, what do you think? Do you think the Cinderella run continues here for Florida? Or is this 10-game layoff that they're experiencing by the time puck drop comes tomorrow going to factor in and put them behind the eight ball to start the seven-game series? Yeah, I wonder what it's going to do for Sergey Bobrovsky. I mean, I'm sure he'll take some of the rest considering the 4 OT game. And, you know, he's been seeing a lot of rubber, you know, during the playoffs. But... Um, I, I think when you're looking at the style of these two teams, like we know Florida is a very aggressive team, physical team. Vegas is very much like that too. And, you know, we talk about them going up against a top goaltender, Sager Bobrovsky. The goaltender they just beat in Jake Ottinger is no uh, cakewalk either. So, like, I think Vegas, the, I, I always want to say, you know, this is finally the team that's going to get it done against Florida. But then we've we just see what happens when you kind of bet against Florida. But like in all honesty, like Carolina, if you put Carolina's roster against Vegas's roster, 
like I, I think Vegas, everyone would take Vegas's roster, like what they have top to bottom. Ooh. And I think the story, the storyline that I'm looking forward to the most, there were some moves made when that expansion draft. I don't know if you remember. Uh, oh, yes. Florida decided we're going to try. I can't remember the player they were trying to protect. I believe it was Alex Petrovich. And Mark Pissick. Yes, it was and so they're like Vegas. Don't take those guys. We're gonna give you uh Riley Smith and expose. We're gonna, we're gonna, we want you guys to look at this guy named Jonathan Marcheseau, who we don't really want around. And those two guys, <laughs> like, have been there since the beginning. Like, they're the one of the few guys that have stuck around for Vegas in all this time. It's because they have been steals for that Vegas team. Like the reason why Vegas has been so good is because they hit on a lot of those guys in that expansion draft that have just teams, teams just like, yeah, you can take this guy. We don't want anymore. And Vegas, those guys are just like, all right, we're going to make you guys pay for doing that. And I'm very curious to see like those two guys will be definitely motivated to show up against the Florida Panthers. Oh yeah. We're talking about money on the board. Like those two are putting money on the board. It's like, they literally gave up on us. They were like, take these two scrubs. We want to keep these guys, these other guys around, please. And uh, they went on to become pillars of the Vegas golden Knights and studs. And, you know, Jonathan Marsha. So uh, to me, he's, he's a dark horse con Smythe candidate, to be honest with you. I think behind Jack Eichel, I think he's my number two when it comes to the Vegas golden Knights. So yeah, that is definitely going to be a really intriguing storyline to watch there for sure. Um, any other big game just quickly since 2718, Marcia. So has more playoff points than Leon Dreisaitl, Steven Stamkos, Sebastian Ajo, Patrice Bergeron, Alex Ovechkin, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, Jake Gensel, and Sidney Crosby. So who has more points than Jonathan Marcia? So, I actually don't even know. I like, don't. that's the list of guys, like, Maybe I like Braden Wayne or yeah, uh, like Kucherov. Like, might be a Palat. Maybe he's always been a strong playoff performer. Yeah. But that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, pretty much. If you take away all of the players on Tampa, which Marcia So also, former Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick, I believe. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That is funny. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be real, real interesting. For me, it, it's going to come down to one thing, though, is whether or not Sergei Bobrovsky can continue to be this phenom that he's been the last couple of months. I mean, y- you look at the save percentage through the playoffs. It's, he's a 9.35 save percentage, 19.7 goals saved above expected. For a team that is only plus – has a plus seven goal differential – and where they've won seven of the last eight games by just one goal. Yeah, I would say that that guy stopping pucks and uh, 19 goals above expected, certainly an important factor into why they are where they're at. So I would think that has to continue here. And if you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, they're a little bit more of a threat than the Carolina Hurricanes were. And I think that's mainly because they had a couple of big boys who are considered shooters and finishers out in Svechnikov and Max Pacioretty. And you look at them, they only shot eight and a half percent in these playoffs. Meanwhile, Vegas are shooting at 12.16% or over 12% shooting. And for a team like Florida, 
who's allowed over 37 shots on goal per game. <sighs> I think Vegas, with the way that they've been able to convert, I think that uh, that'll be difficult for Bobrovsky to keep up those numbers. And that is why I believe that the Vegas Golden Knights will probably end up winning this one. That is my final prediction there, Dave. And if you are curious um, right now on FanDuel, one of our great sponsors here of the podcast, uh, the Golden Knights are favored. They are minus 125. The Panthers plus 105 to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Dave, give me your final prediction as to who you believe wins the Stanley Cup and why. Uh, I'm going to go with Vegas. Yeah, I'm going to go six games. I think the key for Vegas is they're going to, they cannot let Florida do what they've done the last two rounds, which is win the first two games of the series on the road, maintain home ice advantage. If Vegas does that, I think Vegas is definitely clearly capable of stealing a game on the road. Uh, they did that against Dallas a few times in that series. Um, yeah. Florida's got eight, eight and one on the road, right? Eight and one on the road in these playoffs. But 0-5 in their last five trips to Vegas. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I think um, I just think Vegas has that relentless attack. They play a very you know disciplined, structured game, but they're not they they they're smart about it too. So they got a lot of smart players, a lot of good performers on that team. Like I don't know, Florida can't just say we're going to try to stop Jack Eichel. Okay, stop Jack Eichel. And then you got Marsha So and Riley Smith. We're going to stop them. Well, now the fourth line has been also produced. Barbara Carlson. You got Will Carey out here. You got former Maple Leaf Michael Amadio making plays. Yeah. And it's deep. That's a deep roster they got. Uh, the only way I think that Florida has a chance is if they make Adine Hill come back to earth. But he, like Adine Hill doesn't even need to be spectacular to win the series. He just can't be dreadful. And he has are we officially going with Adine on this podcast? Is it Aiden never, Hill? I've, yeah, been, I've, I've never once in my it. life heard anyone refer to him as Adine. I'm like, yeah, where did I've heard it a couple of times? And I got it stuck in my head, but it is Aiden Hill. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, he's not Swedish. He's not Swedish. But anyway. Well, he's playing like he's a Swedish goaltender. Yeah, he's playing like King Henrik. Yeah, he is. A little bit. Um, you know, what's a really interesting stat about both of these clubs and which I find to be rather fascinating and probably speaks to how good both a Dean Hill, your boy, AKA Aiden Hill and Bobrovsky have been look at the expected numbers on both sides. They're both sub 50%. Both clubs for the most part have been outplayed at five on five and are sub 50%. You've got, the Vegas Golden Knights with a 47% expected goal differential and the Panthers at 46% expected goal differential. Yet here they are, and they've both made their way into the Stanley Cup final. Isn't that wild? That's how random and that's how close the NHL can be. Yeah, and you you look at the Vegas, like their path. Like, yeah, they obliterated, pretty much obliterated the Jets in that first round. Like... Like Oilers, that was a close series. It was not a cake, a cakewalk series by any stretch. And then it's funny because the Dallas one was one they were their most dominant, and I thought that was going to be a tougher series than it ended up being. 
So, yeah, there's been a lot of randomness, and as we've seen, a lot of luck in these playoffs, but you got to make your own luck sometimes. And both these teams have been showing they have the will to do that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, really quickly, Kant's Mythe pick. Go ahead. Sergey Bobrovsky. So you think that Vegas is going to win, but Bobrovsky gets the con Smythe. I think if I if I know reporters as much as I think I do know them, they they like his story has just been too good. Like I'm, if Marcia so has the series of his life, I think it could be Marcia so. But I just think Sergey Bobrovsky, he's going to try his best to maintain this, and I think a lot of voters will see what he's done throughout the whole playoffs and be like, how can we not? give him like the JSG Garrett treatment. It, it It's possible. I will say that it is certainly possible for that to happen, which is why I think you look at, at his con Smythe odds and they're plus 200, which is pretty low um, considering, which means maybe they're factoring in the fact that, yeah, he'll probably win if it's the Florida Panthers, but there's also a chance he could win if it is the, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, which may be why his price is, is shorter than maybe it should be. Um, I, I, I Here's the thing. I don't anticipate Bobrovsky to be as elite as he's been, which means maybe that, you know, what have you done for me lately is, is also going to be in the minds of a lot of voters. And if Bobrovsky, you know, through a six-game series, let's say it ends – four two and he's got a, a goals against of like 340 or you know 305 or something like that that probably isn't going to be strong enough for them to to give it to him as the losing goaltender despite what happened earlier on now if this is a super close series and you know there's a couple of like two one one nothing losses where he stands on his head but couldn't get any run support different story but I don't I don't know if I see that happening I don't know if he's got it in him I think this this layoff think it's going to affect this team in the momentum that they had rolling through Boston, then Toronto and make a quick work of Carolina. I think it might backfire on them. Um, it might be a little rusty to start if they don't get off to a good start. I don't know how, uh, how much I like their chances to win this series. So for me, I, I like Vegas uh, for sure. And we'll see what happens as for a con Smythe. If it's going to be Vegas, I think it's got to be Jack Eichel. He's right now four to one odds at plus 400 um, leads the Golden Knights in points. So I think Jack Eichel might be uh, might be a good play there as well. If you want to go for uh, a Golden Knight to win the award. Not a bad pick either. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good stuff. Enjoy the game, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back on Monday to recap it and talk a little bit more about what's going on in Toronto. Maybe we'll have some answers. Maybe, uh, you know, Trilliving will get some work done over the weekend. Who knows? We'll find out, obviously, when we reconvene here on the Lockdown Leafs podcast on Monday. But that'll do it for today's show. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for supporting, uh, listening and supporting the podcast. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Also, again, up on YouTube as well. Please subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morris Sudi. Follow the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. Uh, we'll be back again on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy game one of the cup final tomorrow night. Go Vegas. Go, my friends. Because guess what? Screw the Panthers. Because they eliminated the Leafs. So we got to be anti-Panthers. Just have to be. Sorry, Armando. But we have to be.
All right. We'll come back and we'll uh, chat about the game on Monday. Until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.